Hello, everyone. Welcome to season three of the Link Leadership Podcast. Yes, welcome, welcome. Season three, man, and we're in Chi Town. Um, yeah. Our objective and our aim for this Link Leadership Podcast is to engage, equip, and empower leaders through storytelling. And boy, do we have some stories for you this season. Yes. So listen to Chicago. Yes. So so probably you know this, but Chicago, the, the actual city has about 2.9 million people. Yeah. But the Chicago metro is 9.5 million. A lot of people from yeah. around the world are yeah. here. And the city is divided in 77 different neighborhoods. And each neighborhood has its own culture, its own approach to things, yes. its own viewpoint, politically, culturally. So the men and women that are serving here in Chicago in different pockets yeah. are doing incredible work because it's just its own world here yeah. and then we've been exposed to just learning from that yeah. so we can't wait for you to listen to all those incredible people that are yeah. serving in different capacities yes. and be encouraged by it as you listen to their stories yes i mean we've got a lot of leaders that are serving in hard places yeah, and hard yeah. communities and i know my faith was stirred and my courage it's was hard. challenged it's and hard. so we hope that this season does the same for you yeah Welcome to the Link Leadership Podcast. Our aim at the Link Leadership Podcast is to engage, equip, and empower leaders through storytelling. And uh, we hope to do that today. I am joined by my co-host, Dawit. Dawit is my name. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And today we are joined by an uh, incredible leader. Uh, he's a church planter. Mm. Uh, he's here in Chicago. Uh, we've got none other than Pastor Phil with us. Welcome to the Link Leadership Podcast, yeah, Pastor Phil. Glad to be here. Thanks. Awesome. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time and coming to this great city of ours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Love yeah. It. yeah, yeah. We hear there's a lot of good food spots, so lots. We of had some incentives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, for those who don't know who you are, don't have a background for who you are, why don't you give us a little background? Uh, backstory some yeah. context to who pastor phil is yeah you know so i was born and no <laughs> I, I won't go there i know like all the way back you know um yeah so my uh, my dad was a pastor um and so i grew up in the church grew up uh you know being a part of the church and had lots of different activities you know all the time went to church multiple times during <laughs> during the week yeah. And, uh, and so there was a lot of, a lot of that movement, um, early on. I knew a lot of things. I, my, my wife, I met, uh, at our church in Arizona and we were actually, I was 12 when I met her and she was 13. (laughs) So we didn't start dating then, but, uh, (laughs) but that's where I met it. But it was always like, uh, whenever they were putting like Bible teams together, when you had Bible trivia, they're always like, yeah, let's get Phil on our team because I knew a lot of things. Right. I I mean, it was, it was kind of like a grounding in that I know things. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of the knowing versus like the understanding or kind of taking it to heart. Um, and that took a little bit longer. Um, but that was, it was kind of my 
start was in the church, yeah. knew about the church, yeah. never wanted to be a pastor. Yeah. Um, always would tell people because they would ask, like, well, your dad's a pastor, so that means you should be one too. I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why would yeah. I do that? Yeah, I've yeah. seen I've seen the work that he like, I don't want to do that. Right. Again and again and again. Even so I was um I went to uh, school for uh, criminal justice and uh, psychology was my majors and and I loved you know that portion of it. Um, it's kind of like a somewhat side, but I was planning to do. Um, I was looking towards federal law enforcement, uh, whether it was um, FBI. Um, during the time when I was in college, I met with some FBI people, and they're like, "Well, how many languages do you speak?" And I'm like. I think I speak English and I'm about halfway there. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh. so eventually I'll get, you know, they're yeah. like, Oh, like, well, unless you speak like at least three languages wow. and you have some other like super specialty in uh, computer, whatever. And I'm like, yep, I don't have that. So, um, then was like, all right, I'm going to go into, and I was, was going to go into local law enforcement and early, so when I was in my criminal justice background, um, at school, they kept saying, oh, it's turning into more of a communication-based instead of, like, a very military-based system. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I like communication. <laughs> I like talking things out. Up in for, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, if, if that's the way it is, then, you know, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, but then I started going through uh, testing I started, you know, and um, eventually I was, uh, Phoenix PD wanted me to uh, join the force. Wow. And when I started going through the initial stages of that, and I'm like, this is not for me. Mm. <laughs> like, it's very military. And it's like, almost like you're saluting people. I'm like, yeah. what is happening? I'm like, I don't have a background in yeah. the military. Yeah, that's right. I don't have a problem with that, but I'm just saying that's not my background. I'm yeah. like communication yeah. and I said I was hearing that this was the direction oh well that's eventually you know where we're gonna One head day. yeah mm. and I'm like oh so and then at the same time I was uh I had a friend who was who went through school with me he was a correctional officer um he was stabbed and killed in the line of duty oh. about a two months later there was a a Phoenix PD officer who was shot and killed in the line of duty. So it was kind of this back to back. And I'm like, and I just got married uh, <laughs> and, and I just found out I had a daughter on the way and I'm like, Oh, I don't know if this is the direction I should head. Um, still not putting all the pieces together. And so I, um, this whole pastor thing has been a second career thing for me. I went into, did some security uh, I worked with uh, Lutheran Brotherhood into the Thrivent. I was mm. a uh, financial advisor, yeah. and uh, and I'm like, I love the people thing, but I definitely don't like the 100% commission thing. <laughs> 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 like yeah. working on that on that basis, like I always felt like the the push and the mm. pressure on that, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, eventually, kind of stepped out into that, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, went through kind of a period of just wow. like struggle, yeah. had some depression. Mm. Um, and uh, then there was a retired pastor that I knew sat me down and said, we all have a job to do in the kingdom. What's yours going to be? Wow. And I'm like, wow, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, so 
going through that, then I talked to my wife and my wife's like, well, I already know what it is, but like, I don't want to tell you. She's like, and I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you know, you should be a pastor. And I'm like, he never said this. (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So (laughs) then I'm talking to her about that. And then all of a sudden it's like, so I go and sit down with my dad and my dad's like, yep, my, your mom and I, we also have been thinking about this for, uh, you know, the last number of years. And I'm like, why is it nobody says anything? (laughs) And I think it's probably because I still said the same thing. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. And uh, eventually, I said, "All right, what does this look like?" And I was like, "When then I was like, I made the decision. I'm like, I'm going to go to the sem." And I and I was thinking, I'm telling you, I'm going to go to the sem. And they're like, "What do I? You know, like here's the application. We're good. I'm going to you know step." They're like, "Oh no, there's like six different things you got to do in order." I'm like, "Oh." So went through that whole process, ended up, uh, you know, we moved my um, my family out to St. Louis where we, we went to SEM finally. So at that point, we had, um, we had two kids. Um, one was in kindergarten, one was in, um, uh, he, was, he was pretty young when he went out to, hmm. went out to the SEM. And, uh, and then we also had an adopted, uh, well, she was then at that point, Sixteen, seventeen, mm-hmm. one of those. Um, and uh, because of her background, um, when I said we're going to be moving to St. Louis, she she flipped out mm-hmm. because she thought that we were saying you can't come with oh. us. Oh, and it was like her. There's abandonment. There's yeah. all kinds of stuff in the background there, and uh, and so she had a lot of issues, um, and. Uh, she ended up staying with her grandparents in Arizona to finish high school, mm-hmm. and then um, she uh, went to college in, in Arizona as well. Okay. Um, but we continue, you know, like we're still united. Um, she has uh, four kids of her own. She had ended up adopting two others, so I actually mm. have six grandchildren. <laughs> so it's Praise awesome, God. right? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It's so weird, yeah. you know? Like, because when I'm with my daughter, um, you know, like, we'll go out to lunch, and they're like, you know, they think that, She's my wife. Yeah. Because I'm, yeah. like, I'm only nine years older than her. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, is, is this your wife? No, this is my daughter. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. So it's those awkward conversations. Yeah. That's good. But, uh, yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a journey, you know, at that point. And then I uh, went to SEM. My first call was in, uh, in Urbandale, Iowa, mm-hmm. at a church called Gloria Day. And I was an associate pastor there and um, was doing discipleship and small groups and hospitality and, mm-hmm. hey, whatever else you want to do, you want to yeah. do something, yeah, tell us what you want to do, go and do it. Yeah. You know, so I started uh, social service stuff. We did homeless outreach. We did uh, trafficking stuff, uh, anti-trafficking stuff. Anti-trafficking stuff, yeah. Stuff, yeah. Um, Clarification. <laughs> right, yeah. I always have to clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, we're, so we did, you know, a lot of this work, and people are like, well, why do you care about all that? I'm like, why don't you? Um, and so we were in a, in, a, in a church that was, I mean, it was a, um, it's an upper middle class, you know, territory. Yeah. They're like, well, we don't really want to do that work, but do you need money to, f- to support? Yeah, absolutely. But I also like you. 
to be there. Yeah, That's I mean, right. like, let's learn. So I, you know, there right. were there were some people that that came along still, and they said this is like a a real growth moment for me. I'm like just yeah. talking to somebody who's you know Different. shelterless, homeless. Yeah. Like you're, yeah. And so I mean, it was like eyes open. Like you're leading people into new territory. And, uh, and so at that point, I also started doing a lot of study of, of urban context and didn't like the way that the, the churches have been abandoning our urban centers for a long time. And I'm like, I just felt at that point, and this was probably, um, I probably had been there for about five years and just felt this like, I, we, I need, we just need to go to an urban center. Yeah. Didn't know where. My wife was always, we visited um, uh, Queens, uh, our savior in there. And they, they had a multi um, ethnic community there also working in the city. Matt was there. And, uh, and my wife was like, I never want to go to a (laughs) a city this big. (laughs) I mean, and then we still aren't. I mean, Chicago is not New York, um, not not Manhattan. It is big. (laughs) Um, We had some, you know, we have a history here in in Chicagoland. My wife's family Mm. um, mainly grew up, has a lot of history here in Arlington Heights. Um, You know, a lot of the roads around here are named after her family. Um, Wow. Right. So Kirkhoff Road um, was her uh, grandpa. Um, Bussy Road was uh, was the other side of the family. Um, so uh, yeah, and they were all farms oh. around here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we had lots of history here, and so when an opportunity came up, and they said, "Hey, we got to do some work here," and they they had some funding to do some some revitalization, replanting in the city. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we should. We should uh, but you know, we already felt a call towards that, and so it's like, it didn't take us long. Yeah. We were like, yeah, we need to go. Yeah, that's awesome. that kind of brought us here. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. This story is incredible. Let me tell you why. Yeah. Because, you know, you were resisting the call to be a pastor. <laughs> um, and it, what was weird is everybody around you knew but you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the fact that yeah. they they gave, you know, that nobody wanted to play the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, they let you come to your conclusions. <laughs> right. um, but it's one of those things where, you were, you know, our church is going through the book of Jonah. I don't want to call you Jonah, but <laughs> <laughs> my wife you're, has. Yeah. <laughs> you were running. You were just that running. Be the away. last one and the first one. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, and so my, my question to you is, um, why do you think there was a hesitation? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it, I know you talked about, you just saw what your dad did growing up and you're like, that's not the work for me, but was there something deeper within? Yeah. Um, was there you know, a trauma that was experienced? Was it a workload that you were not a fan of? Or was it just the, the weight of shepherding souls? You felt that? I, what, what was the thing that, uh, you know, had you questioning it all? And the reason why I asked that is because there are a lot of leaders, they know that God has called them. Yeah. But for one reason or another, they're not answering the call. Um, I think about, you know, you know, somebody like Gideon, who's in the wine press, not even knowing what God had called him to, but he had this huge call on his life. And, uh, you know, there's so many leaders out here that God wants to do incredible things through, but for one reason or another, they're not answering that call. What was that for you? What What do you think held you back from really 
yeah. stepping into that. I think there's a there's a combination. I think when I noticed, I mean, so my dad could be there a lot for sort of soccer games or whatever. You know, I played lots of soccer growing up and then even into high school. You know, and he would show up for a game, but then there was there was lots of times that I didn't even see you know him. Mm. He had meetings at night, Bible studies, all mm. kinds of stuff happening it you know during the week so it was kind of like you know he might drop in for a dinner you know like he would be there but I'm always like yeah yeah I mean you know it that was part of it I think some of it was also you know I voters meetings Mm. you know and there were people that were brutal Mm. you know and they just were lots of yelling lots of like and and I'm like you want to you want to like deal with all of that? Like all this, it's like a big mess. And it wasn't always like just directed at him. And it wasn't just saying, I'm trying to want to be protected. It was more just like everybody was just angry all yeah, the time. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, this just doesn't seem good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so there was a lot of that struggle. But then I also just the number of times that he had to, you know, sit with people, you know, when a loved one had died tragically when um somebody is you know cancer diagnosis you know somebody you know there's like all of that i'm like oh like and then walking into nursing homes and you get you know these um men and women who are just like take me home like i don't want to be like oh like it's heartbreaking yeah Yeah. like i don't know if i want to do that (laughs) like that so it's it's that it's a combination across the board of like the shepherding stuff, but also like the hostility that gets involved in politics. church politics, yeah, right. you know, and then availability. Yeah, yeah, I, it's real. We were we were just talking to Barbara. Mm-hmm. Her ministry is in Inglewood, yeah. south side of Chicago, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of picking up on a theme here where you know, you know, she she felt called to a hard place. I'm sensing. You know, maybe yeah. you're resistant against, you were resistant against pastoring because you were called to a hard place, right? right. Uh, I think, especially with our culture, I think we over-romanticize pastoring. You know, shout out to preachers and sneakers, <laughs> and, you know, celebrity pastors oh, and yeah. things of that nature. And so, you know, but what I appreciate about you is you you understood, okay, this is, this is gonna, there's a call to die here. Mm-hmm. Th- this is going to be tough that. I am putting myself on the line. I will be misunderstood. There'll be tough meetings. I've got to manage tension. You know, I might miss some family meals. I might, you know, um, what, what helps you overcome that? Because I I do, I do think that, um, leaders are called to tough things, Mm -hmm. you know, and you, you embrace the call, but what was the thing that helped you answer that call? You know, acknowledging the reality of it, but still having the courage to embrace it. I mean, some of that was um, early on, like, I know that I need to do this now. Mm. And it's like, I don't know what's going to happen if I don't do it. Ah. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know the, I mean, this is, it, it is, yes, a, a big call. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it almost goes back to the Jonah thing. Mm. Like, I, you know, I've never spent time in the belly of a, of a fish, but uh, I don't think I want to either. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And it always felt like if I, if I don't do this, and especially now that I'm aware, now that I have all of this information that I do have, yeah. if I feel like if I ignore it now, I'm just not doing what I'm supposed wow. to do. Yeah. Um, 
And so I think with that, it was like at the, at the um, seminary, you know, my wife was a full-time uh, teacher still. She worked in uh, St. Louis public schools. Mm. Um, so I was like going to school only and they, and then I was, I was taking care of the kids. Yeah. Um, so I would walk my daughter to school. She was right at the bottom of the hill, you know, so um, we'd, I'd walk her there. Um, my son was in, in daycare, um, but I felt like there was probably, we had more time together there. Um, and I think we, we definitely grew together as a family because yeah. we, we used to have all of our family around us in Arizona. Yeah. My parents were there. My wife's parents were there. My brother and sister were both there. My wife's brother was there. So we had, like, all of our family present. So we're like, we want to drop off the kids at grandma's? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. come on over. Like, So we would, yeah, we just have the freedom to be able to do that. In St. Louis, we're like, we don't have anybody. But, and there's the opportunity that it allowed us to get closer as a family, which then allowed, I mean, it gave us the, um, the glimpse as well. So when we started our in Iowa, I just brought my kids along to all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, so we would take them out to the homeless camps yeah. and, and they would sometimes, their, their initial reaction sometimes was like, this is terrifying. Some <laughs> of these people scare me, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. And they're still made in the image of God That's and right. we're going to love them. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of things that they learned there, yeah. you know, just through those interactions that sometimes, yes, we're forced for them. Yeah. Like, you're going to come along, and they're like, uh, can I stay home? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do it. Simon, yeah. Something is happening. Yeah. No, I love this. I, so right now, the, what is the detail of the ministry? It seems like you are called here to a replant, semi-replant environment, and yeah. just the nature of the community, if you take us through a little bit, and what does the church used to look like, and where is it now? Yeah, so Tabor Church, um, we're on the north side of the city. And uh, um, when we first came in, they had four people who were present. Um, these four people were faithful. They wanted to be there. Um, I, I don't know. I'm like, there's, <laughs> it's almost like I questioned them. Like, why did you stay there still? Yeah, what a faith. Right. Okay, I mean, yeah. but Approach, um, yeah. they were like, we just know that God wanted us to stay wow. open. Yeah. Like, okay. And they were so willing to just say, we don't know what we're doing. Can you just help us? We don't know what we're doing. So it was a wonderful environment to come into with them because not every church is like that when you're coming in to revitalize, yeah. replant. Because you're saying, we're going to do things differently. And they're like, what? Yeah. 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 We were working with two churches at the same time. One of the churches were like, yeah, we don't want to work. We don't want to do that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I I can't do that then. (laughs) So that's why we're, you know, we focus on Tabor right now. Um, But so that they, they just were open. They said, what do you, what do you need for us to do? And they showed up to everything, you know, because a lot of it early on was, helping people realize in the neighborhood that we're open. Mm. Some people thought Tabor was gone. Um, New Life, um, which people in in the city of Chicago know New Life. They're they're multi-site church. um, Have a lot, I think 34, 35 locations across Chicago. They move into dying churches and then they take over. And they were hoping that Tabor would be the same. Mm. 
And then when we came in, we're like, hey, that's, and we're not going to, we're, we're not going to um, hand over the church. Mm. Um, we're we're going to make sure that people know that we're here because we have a history. It's almost 120s, 120 years old, almost. Wow. Yeah. So it's been there. Yeah, it was there when there was nothing else around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's, it's trying to bring back not necessarily all the history right. um, because there's some painful stuff in their history as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's trying to then say, well, Tabor started here for a reason. Yeah. And we're going to try to reinvigorate this community to be able to help them see that Tabor's here for a reason. Right. Wow. We want to be a neighborhood church. Um, one, good. because we have to be a neighborhood church. We We're in a neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. not a lot of parking in the city of Chicago. Right, right. Um, so we need people to be in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a small parking lot. Yeah. People can't drive in from the suburbs in order to go wow. to church here because yeah, yeah. we won't have the room. We yeah. don't have the space for them to park. Yeah, yeah. So we have done everything early on. First two years, we said, we want to, our goal is to make sure people know that we're not closed. Right, right, that's good. And we did that. Put on events after events, connecting with the neighborhood. Um, eventually, I mean, I still remember, you know, the first time um, as we were working, somebody was like, they met me. They're like, oh, Pastor Phil, I heard about you and what you guys are doing at Tabor. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you did? Like, you, you heard? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I mean, so like so long, you're just like working and working and working. And you're like, oh, like somebody noticed somebody, right. somebody was able to feel that. And, uh, and so then from there, we've kind of just expanded that, that vision and that reach we do. I would say most of my work um, that I do in the neighborhood is all with community. So I'm uh, on our local school council. Um, so the local school, it's about six blocks um, I'm their community rep, so I bring in. So the the principal meets with us monthly, goes over the budget, yeah. kind of like a board meeting. Yeah, and then we just give feedback, wow. talk about hey, here's some things you could do, community aspect, and had great things happen there. Um, I just joined. They asked me to join a uh, another board, which is the North River Commission, okay. which they take on our neighborhood and two others in the neighborhood. So it's it's a neighborhood group, but wow. they also deal with housing. They deal with arts and culture. They deal with um, all kinds of, you know, so they have different key areas. Right. And they said, hey, will you join the board? And I'm like, um, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, what not? do you want me to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, uh, communications and uh, um, organizing. Yeah. I was like, sure. Because <laughs> um, we had done some organizational work, um, you know, especially – um, when the city was rocked with uh, racial, um, you know, tension, yeah. especially out of you know George Floyd, yeah. um, the city was was rocked by it. Even even though it, was, it wasn't our city, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, like it was those things were felt across the country, right. and yeah. we said well, we're not going to sit back and not respond. Right. And so we're in a very diverse neighborhood, 128 different people groups in Albany Park, and we said if we stay silent on this we're a part of the problem. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. We don't want to be a part of the problem. We want to be a part of the conversation. Okay. And, uh, and so that was like a, you know, a big movement, you know, across the, the city. We organized a number of things. Yeah. Um, we 
went on marches across the city. Um, we, we just knew that we couldn't be mm. on the sidelines. Right. So yeah, especially while our city was hurt. Yeah. Right? I mean, they were, there were people who were crying out. And so that's part of the, just the, a lot of what yeah, we do yeah, right now yeah. is just yeah. connecting with community. Yeah. Um, a year ago, we expanded our our ministry to include a, um, a Spanish-speaking pastor. He's originally oh, wow. from Guatemala. Oh, wow. um, so his name's Pastor Walter Ramirez, yeah. and uh, he's come in. He's he's never worked as a full-time pastor before. He was What's working that? he was working part-time in Yorkville. And he had uh, had his, uh, a congregation out there that was a part of another church, but it was only a part-time process. And mm. so we connected um, actually during COVID with the, with the pastor out there. And we said, um, yeah, this is what we're looking for. And he's like, oh. Got the right person for he's you. Like, I, I, he's like, I love this guy, and we would not want him to go, but we know that he can do so much more in a in a place that especially in Albany Park we have yeah 49% of the people Latinos are Spanish speaking wow yeah and so we're like oh so it, things came together yeah. and we were able to you know get the funding the backing for it cuz we're a mission church still yeah. i mean yeah, exactly. and we probably will be for the rest of our you know existence yeah, yeah. Um, so we had to find funding. We had to get all the backing. We had to put everything in place. We brought him in last summer. He was installed, mm. and he's kind of hit the ground running. He's uh, with our the influx of uh, asylum seekers. Yeah. We've had Colombians, Venezuelans, um, some Guatemalans. Yeah. That's our particular section. Now, other you know, different people groups went other parts of the city, but... Yeah. Those were the main ones that landed in our neighborhood, yeah. and we've been able to connect with them. And they are have don't speak any English. Right. Some of the other English speakers, you could get some words in, and you know, like back and forth. But um, he's been able to connect with those families, and and they all were looking for places to worship, yeah. Yeah. you know, because they had a background, whether it was Catholicism or most like either Pentecostalism or oh, Catholicism. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, either way. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. No. And so he's connected with them. He's he's actually got a you know confirmation coming up with like s eight kids. Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah. Just developing their faith. This yeah. is incredible. Just yeah. developing faith. Yeah. So one of one of the hallmarks at Link that we uh, we really take seriously, um, we believe that there's a leader in every community, and there's a leader that God has called to reach. Um, their particular community. Usually what happens is, you know, we'll take a leader from their context and put them in another context and have them lead in that way. But we at Link believe, no, like, you're called to where you're coming from, yeah. you know, and wherever God has raised you, wherever God um, has, you know, developed you, he's called you to now serve that place or what have you. And so what I love about what you're doing with your church and even the pastor you guys just installed is just that. You're in the community you're serving those around you. You're right. identifying those within your community that need to be served, that need to be loved on, cared for. Yeah. Um, you're being sensitive to the times that we're living in. Yeah. You're acknowledging what's going on in the culture, yeah. and you're being part of the conversation, right? right. I guess my question is, uh, you know, what you know, what has your partnership with Link looked like? Uh, what has that felt like, and how has that helped in reaching the ultimate vision that you guys have for your community? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, and like I've known and and been connected somewhat with Link, yeah. you know, over, even before Link Chicago landed. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I've I've known Ben Ben Griffin oh, yeah. for for quite some time. Yeah. Um, he actually was the one who told me um, when he brought me into the church planning assessment one, and and he said this is the hardest thing you're ever going to do in your life. And I'm yeah. like, oh, like, this is going to be fine. Yeah. Like, oh, and he, But he warned me about this, and I'm still, like, jumping. And now I'm like, yep, it, it absolutely the is yeah. the hardest thing that we've ever had to do. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But so that one, we got connected there. Um, I knew Joe Robb when he was in uh, he Milwaukee. Was in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah. And then I knew Dominic Rivkin when mm, he was when in he was L.A. In LA yeah. yeah. And so, like, you know, with them, and they would drop into Chicago every once in a while. We'd talk about Link. Um, had a, had a great opportunities, conversations there when they were learning and trying to bring back things to their own, yeah. you know, context. And so I always knew the passion and the heart that, that Link had. And I know it's, it's always evolved and changed, yeah. too. But, um, but I, I think that heart still remained Right, it's like we need to go into communities. We need to raise up leaders. We need to do new things, you know, in new places, and uh, and then raise up those people to be able to serve others. And and so, when Link Chicago had um, was getting off the ground, I mean, there of course, within our system, it's always like it takes longer than it always and it ever needs to be. (laughs) And it's like, all right, like how long? Like, so we had this conversation probably three years ago and it was like, all right, we move slow, we move slow. Um, And then, you know, they brought Lexi in, right? And so she's, she's been a blessing because, you know, like she's, she's trying to work in a system that's, you know, in the city of Chicago, that's not always friendly. Ah, right. I mean, and, and I, I have told her that we've had this conversation and like, I, I feel bad sometimes when I'm like, you've got to talk to some of these people who, who don't think women have any place anywhere. I'm like, this is, you know, um, like this isn't good. <laughs> um, but so with that, like, but she's been working in with these people, working in different communities around, around, um, the, the city. Um, trying to start things and trying to to invest in people, yeah. um, we've used. Uh, Lexi came in and led uh, um, our one of our board retreat uh, mm. uh, meetings because we were talking about cultural inclusivity. This was prior to bringing on uh, Pastor Ramirez, so we we talked about some of those things. She led us in this conversation. Mm. Super helpful. Um, energized the the board, the leadership. And, uh, and, and it's just been, it's been like a, a, a pleasure to be able to, to work with her. Cause she's like, what do you need? What do you need? What do you like? Yeah. I don't like, what do you think we need? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I so that, she's yeah. been coaching, um, you know, pastor Ramirez now ever since he started. Wow. So they've been coaching and going along the path to eventually also possibly get him to start coaching other people, other people. Yeah. Wow. So long relationship. Yeah. Uh, so get out of ministry real quick, personally. Yeah. But Phil, what gives you joy? What just brings so much joy to your heart? Yeah. yeah. Um, to me, I think it's all like it's it's people. Mm. And and this is where. You know, like the. 
the difficulty in in ministry is like you you just work and work and work yeah. and and you're just like oh like and what we've found like over the course of our time is like if you don't have people mm. and you're not connecting with people on a different level like personally relationally like you're going to you're going to burn out mm. fast and so to me a lot of the joy comes in when you work with people and you're all of a sudden you're you're getting a new wind behind you because people are like, Oh, like this has been help I'm like, I didn't even know that this would have been helpful in right. some reason. You know, like so it's like this relationally working with people and I think that's the reason why, you know, when I'm talking to uh new people who are coming to the city, I'm like just things that you, you need to find a way to see the joy here. Yeah. Because you can get real burnt out real quick. And in the city it happened. We've seen church planters come in three years, four years, five years, and then it's just like, I can't do it anymore. Wow. Did they drink coffee? Is that, do you think that was the problem? That it That's just, hilarious. They just did not really invest. Are you a coffee drinker, Phil? I am a coffee drinker. Yeah, yeah. does that help with just getting to know people? And it is. Dive yeah. in and things, yeah, I mean, bit. it's always <laughs> like, hey, do you want to, I mean, on our website, we have like the... You want to grab a drink? Like that's, you know, putting it out there. Coffee yeah. or other. Yeah, yeah. Let us know where <laughs> right. we could just sit down and that's, be able to be together. You know, it's the offering to connect with people. And, yeah, that's, that. and that's where it does. It brings me joy to know people's story. Yeah. yeah. Like, where did you come from? Where did, you know, how'd you get here? Yeah. You know, what do you, I mean, and I always say, what do you enjoy about this city? Yeah. yeah. Um, because there, I mean, I, um, I do some consulting work on the side for, and I go to other churches elsewhere, and then I'm like, I'm in the city of Chicago. They're like, actually in the city? I'm like, yeah, and I'm and I'm alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's died. what it seems. Yeah, yeah exactly. like it's like either, you know, and I'm like, so there's the perception that we either have, like, I mean, and there's lots of corruption or there's lots of death. Yeah, and, that's, and I'm like, and that's you think that's, yeah, that's country, what yeah. you think of as the city of Chicago, corruption and death. Um, I think in that note, uh, I think we're heading towards, man, this is a good conversation, and thank you for sharing all this. Yeah. And uh, uh, But quickly, how is Jesus redeeming all of that in your community in a way that yeah. is tangible and visible for you? And that's what I always, what leads me to that question, because like, I'm like, because usually it's in these church folks who are asking, like, oh, it's corruption and death, and I'm like, here's the, here's the perception, right, versus reality. Like the perception is, is that all we have is murder, violence, corruption. And I said, but you haven't looked into the face of people. Mm. Like you're hearing the news stories about the death and the violence. I'm seeing people. Right. That's good. And I said, every single one of these people that you come across, every single one of them has a story. Mm. Whether it's the, you know, somebody who's gone through violence, right. um, has had trauma from, you know, gun violence. Yeah. Um, who's had, you know, family members killed. What I mean, but then you're spending time with them, you're looking at them, and they're still saying, like, mm. I'm here, and I'm here for a reason, because I've seen the other side. Yeah. Of that. Right. And so to me, it's like, that's where, where's Jesus in it? Jesus is always in the mess and the chaos. Right. Right. Isn't he? That's right, that's good, yeah. I mean, wow. like... 
I'm not saying he's not present elsewhere. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. But I'm just saying, man, but, it, like, in the mess and the chaos, the like, that's where he's, he's bringing order. Yeah, that's right. Ooh. People are, are, they understand their need for Jesus more than some others, I think. Right. I mean, yeah. because they're seeing, like, yeah, my brother, sister was killed, my, you know, and so they've seen the depth and the, of that hurt and that mourning, and they're saying, if we didn't cling to something else, we would be joining that. Wow, that's so you weird. know, yeah, that's it's weird. yeah. And so there's a lot of that, you know, clinging to the need, and that's so, you know, yeah. then it teaches me to do the same, exactly. right? Because I can continue to, like, oh, try to get caught up in the mess of that and get burnt out too, and I'm like, I've also got to cling to, to something bigger. Right. Yeah, that's good. I appreciate that. I, you know, God is in the tough places, as you said. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, whether it's answering the call to pastoral ministry or answering the call to a geographical location, um, God is always calling his people where it's tough. I think about Eugene Peterson, who said, you know, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. God will never ask us to do anything that he himself has not exemplified. God left his comfort on the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, he left heaven, you know, where it's beautiful, where there's colors we haven't seen and flavors we haven't tasted and beauty we haven't marveled yet. Yeah. Mm. And he came down and became flesh, you know. And I think about that often. That's, you know, if our God can move into the neighborhood mm-hmm. and, and become dependent mm. and become needy mm. and... Uh, get hungry and get tired, um, he can do the same. And uh, the Spirit empowered him to live out his ministry, and he's also given us that same Spirit to live out the call that he's called us to mm-hmm. in our local context. My last question, unless Dawit has anything <laughs> else, would be what would be your hope, dream, or desire for the city of Chicago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think when uh, when I talk to people originally, you know, um, whether it's people in the city or people outside, um, I always say that there's the, the grand vision, like we, so we're a city of neighborhoods. Um, like, so we have you know, 77, you know, neighborhoods yeah. in the city of Chicago. Yeah. And I mean, the goal, um, is to make sure that we have, you know, a follower of Jesus on every street corner, mm-hmm. ah, good. right? Every, every piece of the neighborhood, every piece of the, of the city. Yeah. Um, I remember, um, I think it was my second year in the city um, we went to a prayer gathering, you know, in Inglewood, which mm. at the time was the worst mm. um, neighborhood in the city of Chicago. Mm. And uh, and people are like, well, why are you going there? And I'm like, well, every we need to have people there. Right. If, if we're present, right. then people are going to know that they don't have to be scared of the dark. Right. Mm. That's good, man. Right? Because yeah. yeah. we're going to be a, the light on that corner at least for, I, I think we were there for four or five hours just uh Gathering, talking, praying, you know, wow. and we just stood, we, we talked, we prayed, people came by, honked their horns, you know, people, you know, like it just that that's the vision is making sure that we're equipping yeah. the followers of Jesus to be present. That's right. Um, if we can do that, mm. we, we don't know what the, right. what the outlook could be for the city of Chicago. That's right. That's good. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Hey, this is awesome stuff, man. Um, we, I'm just being 
just kind of visualizing your upbringing and all the ups and downs of it. Uh, and God using you in places where it seems hopeless mm-hmm. from a very calculative Western mindset that we develop at times. We say, if there's certain things are not in place, then certain things cannot come. Mm-hmm. But you are in the process of just teaching others, leading others, uh, raising leaders in a way that our God is above our mathematical calculation in how things can work in mission. Yeah. Um, and the idea of link is that in a way that we cannot teach or we cannot able to instruct how results will come, mm-hmm. but we know how to be present in each other's life. Mm-hmm. And you've been present in this community. You've been present in your children's life. You've been present in your grandchildren's life, six of them. Mm. So hoping you're probably going to end it up with like 13 grandkids <laughs> in about 10, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, so that's a full oh, church, by the way, where yeah, we came from. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole church. Um, you, you've been doing that and you'll continue to do that. And we are grateful for God that he contents, constantly raising people like you that can raise other leaders. Uh, but Link's idea is in this Lent season, one of the things I've been learning is in Israel and in the Middle East in general, and it's still in the culture, when people are mourning or struggling, there is a person that uh, when they put ashes over them and were like expressing their mourn, um, their faithful friends would come, mm-hmm. put ashes over them, and they just sit by them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and wow. Jesus became like that for us, mm-hmm. and we are called to do that, mm-hmm. to just sit by the side of those who are mourning and those who are struggling, those who are... Uh, expressing their anxiety and pain and suffering, uh, to just be able to sit and listen and care. It's an incredible gift, and you're doing that, Pastor Phil. We're grateful for you, yeah. uh, all of you who are listening to this podcast. Uh, we want to encourage you to continue to do that, to be present in the lives of those who are around you in your community. As uh, as our brother Ebenezer was saying, uh, Jesus entered our neighborhood mm-hmm. And he has sent us to enter into the neighborhoods of our community. May God bless you, strengthen you. God's peace be with you and continue to be on the side of all the saints that are around you. Mm.